music. It's not just part of our daily lives, it's part of our wrestling fandom as well, and it has been for decades. That's where this show comes in, Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling, hosted by Andrew Rich. Hey, that's me. Each episode delivers a different topic with a variety of great guests, fun conversations, musical analysis, and of course, a heartfelt pun or two. New episodes drop every other Tuesday on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcast app of choice. Check out Music of the Mat only on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway in a brand new day. to open the voice gate for february 8th 2024 we are members of the voices of wrestling podcast network you can find us on the voices of wrestling podcast network feed or on the open the voice gate feed on all podcast platforms and providers you can follow us on twitter x at open voice gate uh if you want to donate to the show you click the link in the show notes it'll take you to our redcircle.com landing site you click this red box that says sponsor this podcast and you can set up a one-time or reoccurring donation. No obligation whatsoever, but we would like to thank all of our previous donors. I'm one of your hosts. It's your old pal, Mike Spears, joining alongside, as always, Case Lowe. And Case, I kind of feel like that in this overall wrestling world, how is it that Dragon Gate for once is kind of quiet? I'll take it. Uh, yeah. I, I will certainly, you know, I, I, I like that right now we're talking about good matches and some exciting stuff on the horizon and not anything catastrophic going on, knock on wood, because I'm sure next week's episode will be different, but I'll take it. You know, this is, uh, I think an exciting time in the sense that there's, there's a lot of good that can come from the next month, next three months, next six months from dragon gate, but all told when you put it in perspective with the rest of the wrestling world, yeah, it's not too bad right now. Yeah. It, it is something where I, go through the, the Dragon Gate news and after the weeks that uh, New, New Japan has had, uh, what's gone down in stardom and just in general, the overall unease in the wrestling landscape. And then we go to Dragon Gate and it's like, oh, Z-Brats and Natural Vibes. It looks like we're now two years in hitting that point and we're entering this Ray de Parejas time where it's a complete open kind of Twin Gate division right now. And it's just... What that all means is just a nice, fun world of possibilities right now, it feels like, in the Dragon system right now. I mean, I, you know, I don't want to bury the lead any further here. I mean, I think we have to have the conversation. I, you know, I ask you, Mike Spears, as we sit here in the the wee months of 2024, given everything that's happened, is Ross Yogawa a Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Famer? 
I mean, he's just as much not one as he was uh, this time last week, oh, I would say. Boy, what, what a – and I, I, I say that in jest, but I, I I do feel bad for anybody that has been really, really into stardom over the last few years because it does seem like that is uh, – if, if 2023, the quality uh, dipping down from what I understand, if that didn't signal the end of it, this certainly does. So, I mean, you know, we know we know Drangate people or, or people that watch Drangate that – uh, there seemed to be a mental block once the Shima split happened, the OWE split, where they've just never been into the promotion in the same way since. Uh, you know, I, I think a, a similar thing will happen with Stardom here, and that does suck. But, uh, you know, Rossi is a, a world-class grifter. I, I look forward to seeing what he does next. Uh, he, he's somehow able to be somewhat of, like, a weird WWE stooge. Fantastic. The, uh, the yeah. Japanese William Regal, if you will. Yeah. I, I love it. I, you know, the thing that I, I saw the quote that just was so interesting to me was that he was excited, you know, for the new opportunity because he felt like he, I, I forget, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, butcher uh, uh, the quote. It was but, the corporate uh, oversight quote, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Which like, I like, just thought was so interesting because if, if that's he his was a problem, yeah, if he was a talent, like if he was a wrestler, I'm like, oh, okay, like maybe stardom doesn't love the new Japan relationship and you know, the, the women don't like being on those shows and whatever, and, and, whatever. And maybe if you're someone who is a long time, uh, stardom wrestler, like I look at like a Momo Watanabe and you go like, I was getting it. My, I was eating pretty good under the Ogawa days, having the white belt and everything and how things are now with like Bushi road. Like I get that there, but Rossi of all people, yeah, because if you're a promoter, I just can't imagine what's going on in his brain. That's like, oh, I just, I can't stand this bushy road money and all of this marketing and, and visibility. I this is so obnoxious to me. Like, I don't get it because it, it, the, he the, wants to go back to like the the creepy guys in the front row. I guess. I I, I mean, I guess because. I mean, look at when Bushy Road bought Stardom. It was the the fall of 2019, and their business shot up immediately after that and they were a pandemic success story and you know as i said towards the end of last year it's not that stardom was doing poorly in some of these buildings i was shocked at just how poorly they were doing you know some of their osaka numbers and even some of their tokyo shows it was just like oh my god i've I, i'm not being mean when i say this i've just never seen attendance numbers that low in in certain venues so it's as somebody that just watches from afar you know doesn't keep up with the in-ring product but obviously the business of stardom is interesting to me the last week has just been fascinating because the the quotes coming out from the Rossi side, I'm not like ready to to follow this guy into battle. You know, I'm just but very confused on where his yeah. head's at. Yeah, and it, it is something where unless uh, th there are there's some hidden funding that he's going to have, and it does not seem like he likes dealing with hidden funding. For if you want to take his quote at face value, case. Like, unless there's some, like, hidden funding, like, what's he going to do? Like, the the, the thing that got me was, like, the uh, alleged, and I do believe that there is a strong bit of the case, like, alleged solidarity with Rossi Agawa, where I remember five years ago when the talk was, oh, wow, the pay has just jumped up as soon as Bushi Road uh, took over the company. And that they, a, a lot of the stuff that are, like, the really unfun parts of joshi wrestling that that joshi wrestlers had to deal with they were able to kind of get away from it somewhat a little bit like where's that going to happen when like you're completely independent again of rosie ogawa produce yeah i i'm just really curious to see uh, 
what comes of this because it's not like the market overall is that inspiring and right you know the the stardom talent seem to be trending downwards in terms of their marketability and their box office success and i from what i know about rossi i kind of think he's a crazy person and again i would just I, i i have I have a lot of reservations about that scene. And I, again, I, I, I feel for people that are super into it. I'm not dancing on the grave by any means. Right, it's, just, yeah, it's, it's a very, it's a very odd situation. And the quote about, you know, the, the corporation, uh, you know, wanting to separate himself from the corporation. I just thought that was so odd because, you know, I'm, I'm not a Japanese businessman, believe it or not. But if I was in the wrestling business in Japan in 2024, I would be sucking at the teeth of any corporation that was willing to give me money. I just can't imagine a, a different way of going about it. Yeah, it's it, it, it's something where uh, you you want to be like so like oh this is the money the the money is coming in and uh, with like how things are with Dragon Gate sometimes it's like okay we see the sponge money coming in right now we're like okay well we got luck money coming in right there and it's just like removing like that option and especially like the idea of going like true independence at a time where it's not great and it does seem like that as we get away from like january and things are kind of uh i i I don't say uh reverting back to the norm but we are kind of seeing like there's always that bump in january and now we're kind of seeing what the reality is left with it it's it, it, it will be wild to see what I guess technically, even though he's fired, he's still like there's like the the agreement is somewhat in place for him to promote. So it's nothing immediately. But I'm I'm riveted to see what this man's going to say. And it, and I, it's not me like dancing on any sort of grave. It's just that it's just like I just don't understand the logic. No, he's he's zagging at a time where a lot of people are zigging. And it's just it's really intriguing to see what comes next on a completely unrelated note. Another wrestling thing that isn't Dragon Gate. Can I throw another topic at you real quick? Oh, absolutely. Please do. The AEW-CMLL relationship. It's so great. I don't know. I'm trying to think of like AEW things, and I've enjoyed the history of the company about 90% of it. I don't know if I've ever been as into it as I am right now with just the CMLL stuff alone. I Because it feels it's something cool happening you know, CMLL and their their English speaking resurgence happening last year was like a cool, trendy thing to be a part of, and now it's happening on a mainstream level. But it, they're hitting every note possible, and it doesn't feel corny. And it doesn't feel contrived. It just feels really cutting edge. I love the presentation of it all. It is without a doubt my favorite thing in wrestling right now. Just Hechicero right now, unbelievable. He, he might be my wrestler of the year. Honestly, uh, well, I, I, you know what? We're going to talk about that on this show. I'm glad you brought up Hechicero. Put a pin in that because we'll yeah. talk about it later. But it, it is something where it's seeing something. And I feel like that this is the breath of fresh air that at least for that promotion felt like that. The, all the things that were happening over the last 24 months case and things were like if you like looked at how like the wrestling world was and and how things were going what was happening elsewhere whilst well AEW was kind of just in its batshit phase for lack a lack of better terms <laughs> uh cmll was finding stability at a time where uh that that kind of the industry has gone away like after the death of paco alonso everyone kind of 
more or less after Sophia got ousted didn't necessarily hand wave but it was something it's like okay cmll you're 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 not having your act together right now we're going to keep you at a distance and then slowly but surely and a lot of this like weirdly enough coinciding with like the muñoz family completely leaving and getting mystico back and dropping the Cristico thing, going back to Mystico, uh, Rocky Romero basically deciding that he was just going to be the most charismatic man in the world. And you have all these things happening. They, and it kind of presents itself in 2024 where they were running the uh, – uh, uh, they started the CML stuff in Texas and went over to New Orleans and then into uh, uh, Phoenix. You're running areas that have a strong Hispanic population and a strong Lucha population it just plays off of each other so well. And it just feels like this, like the breath of fresh air that AEW had basically every few months, I felt like from 2019 through 2021, but then it, they had to get through their batshit phase. And we're kind of back to that. Yeah. I, it's just, you know, CMLL was my favorite promotion of the year last year. And I, anybody that's listened to me for a long time knows that I was, I mean, I was not a Lucha person from 2014, uh, through 2020 i mean i specifically it's from the impetus of i remember the atlantis ultimo guerrero mask match and people in the circle were so excited for that match and that show and i remember turning it on live and just not getting it and kind of at that point digging my heels in and going well i'm just not a lucha guy and it doesn't make sense to me and i would try sporadically throughout the years and you know, it still didn't really click with me. And it wasn't until we started doing some greatest wrestler ever stuff with Alan in 2021, where I really, other than Negro Casas and other than El Hijo Del Santo, really made an honest effort to watch and understand Lucha. And so, you know, CMLL getting hot worked out perfectly for me. And now, I mean, I'm, I, when I'm not watching Dragon Gate or AEW, I'm watching, I'm watching Lucha, whether it's new or old. I'm trying to read as much about Lucha as I can to understand the history of it more. And the, the AEW stuff, just on a personal level, is coming for me at the, at the perfect time. But overall, the presentation of it, I wish everything on the show felt that way. It, it doesn't, which is a bummer, but they could not be more on the money with what they are doing so far. And one can only dream that one day, AEW and Drangate will have a similar relationship, but right now, oh my god, I am just so into this stuff. Yeah, and it's something at least for me, case uh, as someone who Yave is probably my favorite style of wrestling to see, being able to see Hechicero actually show like using Yave in a in a fashion and in a very inventive way, especially uh, in front of national or international audiences, and it getting over is just cool to see. You absolutely know. yeah yeah absolutely so I'm, I'm really into that uh i'm not into the future of stardom but uh i i gotta say i'm pretty into some of the dragon gate stuff that we watched this past week absolutely as dragon gate moved into february this week we will be talking about truth gate and corquin hall that was the show yesterday as of time of recording on february 7th we will also be touching on memorial gate in wakiyama the uh, well, I, I kind of want to play an impromptu game when we get to that point, case when we talk about Wakayama, but we'll touch on that a little bit. We have news on the WrestleMania weekend in Dragon Gate, uh, GCW attempting to bring back the uh, the six-man tradition and closing out. We'll talk some Ray Day Parejas as we have the field set for Dragon Gate's big tag team tournament happening in March, but uh, they hope. The overwhelming topic, and I feel like the uh, big 
takeaway from this week case uh the reason why we kind of were going a little late this week uh this uh Truthgate Corquin Hall show on the 7th announced in 1394. This is the main event of the all-out war five-on-five elimination match, Natural Vibes and Zebrats M3K final match as well. Just case off the top before we get into the uh, Corquin review. Uh, Big takeaways from uh, Tokyo yesterday. Good show, not a great show. You know, some some stuff on here. They're they're definitely missing... uh, Nagano and Fuda not being there. You know, it feels feels a little thin again, which is interesting because, you know, October, November, December, you know, they were able to rebound from the the TN Revolution injury and it seemed like, okay, they're, you know, they're they're back up, but you've got the young guys out, you've got Yoshioka out, and you can you can just feel it. They're a guy or two short on these shows and you know, I mean, Fuda, who, who knows with him? Uh, you know, I thought, I thought he was the doing in- commentary. Yeah. Yeah. But I, you know, I thought the injury that he had, I thought that was going to be a shorter term injury. And I, I don't know if he re-aggravated it or, or maybe I was just mistaken in thinking that, but you know, he's still out. I, I, I mentioned last week, people that, uh, people that I spoke to, not necessarily in the know, but just their opinion was that the, the Nagano stuff was, was not going to get better anytime soon. And Yoshioka again, who knows? So we're, uh, and then you've got Minorita as well, and I, I got really bummed out seeing uh, Ben and Minora getting announced for America, knowing that Minorita still hurt. So you've just you've got some thinness on the roster that is apparent and, and obvious. But overall, I thought the main event was excellent. I really, really liked the main event. I am very sad about the conclusion of M3K, but excited for the future of Mochizuki Jr. And there was fun stuff on this show, so I'm I'm ready to talk about it. Let's start with the main event, Mike. Yeah, let's do that. I a lot of my my overall big takeaways are kind of similar. There was one match that I think kind of surprised me in a way that it shouldn't have surprised me, but it, it it's something where just talking about like the thinness. I think you look at this Corquin Hall show and the fact that Ultimo is teaming with Big Hug against D Courage, like not not like an a weird thing to happen, but just the fact that that's match five. And with what, what all is going on and Jason Lee and versus Ata happening as a she, as a singles match, like it, it, it does have a bit that the injury situation, not that it feels like it's much worse than it was in the fall. It's just something where Yoshioka, it's the pieces that are out that I feel like you feel them more so than maybe before. Yeah, yeah, very much so. But this this main event match, uh, Natural Vibes versus Zebrats Elimination match uh this is we are now at a point where if we were going to do the defcon rating of a unit war we're getting to that all uh just just boiling point uh would you like me to run down the eliminations and the final result and we can just talk about the match from there yeah please all right so the result of the match is a z brett's victory they got five eliminations uh ishan the only survivor on the match so zebrats went five to four here are your eliminations uh starting from the first to the last shawmi shinjay eliminates kai in about two minutes with the machine clutch very clear that kai is really wrestling wounded right now uh johnny valetta pretty soon after takes out ut with his king kong knee drop uh big boss shimizu gets yoshiki kato with the big boss press ishin does the komada choke slam after a low blow on strong machine jade uh, johnny valletta just basically just just 
launches KZ over the top rope. Uh, Shimizu and Valletta then eliminate both of each other doing the, the oopsie-daisy. Both of us go over the top, leaving us with Jackie Funky Kamei as the sole Natural Vibes member versus Shun Skywalker and Ishan. Kamei gets Shun Skywalker with the JFK Crucifix before following before falling to Ishan with the Jean Chu after a low bro blow. As we said before, Zebrats went five to four, and uh, things are not going well for Natural Vibes. Uh, should we talk about the match itself or the post match stuff before we get into the overall thing? Let's do the match itself. What were your thoughts on it? I really enjoyed it. I thought that they, without going into the wildness of a Nanawa or Captain's Fall, they were able to do a lot with this match. And I felt like that for a match that was basically based around Jackie Funky Kamei being big match Jack and getting his ass kicked essentially for 20 minutes and just scraping by and doing whatever he can to get there, they accomplished it. And I think that Ishan, after losing the Brave Gate, very clearly now being positioned not necessarily as the two in this unit, like that's still going to be Kai injury or not. He feels like a player coming out of this match, and I feel like that that is a good takeaway for a heel side that needs to see Ishan moving moving ahead in that way, especially with only four Native members right now. Yeah, it's been a slow journey for Ishan to get where he needs to be, but I think he finally got there, which was nice. He has a little bit of credibility. He has a little bit of edge. And I like the work that he's doing. You know, you think he turned heel in, in November of 2022. And, you know, this time last year, he felt a little bit lost. He had that real stoic kind of stone cold killer character. And I, I just I felt like we lost him in that. It, the presentation of it wasn't very uh, impressive to me. He gets hurt. He comes back a little bit revamped. And it's just been a slow build. You know, it seems like anytime he's not in the ring with Mochizuki Jr., I never really know what I'm going to get with him. But this was this was a standout Ishin performance coming just days after a standout Kato performance uh, on, on a house show. I really, really liked what we got here uh, from the young Zebrats guys, especially. Yeah, and just as a point of correction for myself, uh, the Ishin elimination on Strong Machine J was after an inadvertent uh, Jackie Funky Kamei box attack. But it, it is something where with Ishin, the Bravegate happened for him last year. And after all the big talk about like really trying to become the uh, reset point of the Bravegate, I feel like we've been talking about resetting the Bravegate now for years. And it might yeah, be... Yeah, I mean, ever, ever since Kento's reign, this was my yeah. point when Hyo won it. Was right, we, right. We, you know, it was... It was one of those like WWE or TNA stories where they go, so things haven't been going well lately. This story is an attempt to right the ship, and that's kind of been the Bravegate belt for the last two years. Right, but now it's kind of been riding the ship just because he owes that over. The belt feels over. Yes, yeah, but, very much so. But it, it is something where Ishan in this match, he comes off a little bit more credible than he came in, and it was something that was really needed. There was nothing really that I think for vibes right now it's we get the melodrama out of them i don't think jackie funky kamei leaves corkwin hall more strong than he did coming into it but that's also because i feel like now there is a standard with him right now that he's already achieved and he easily did so in this match uh 
UT, uh, they are really, uh, really trusting in Johnny Valletta, aren't they? With how UT's bumping his ass off for him now. Well, I think I got to take my victory lap here, Mike. I mean, I, is, I is it Johnny laying it in or is it UT selling his ass off for the guy? No, it's John. It's Johnny laying it in because I, I thought he was spectacular in this match. And this is it's the best th- he's been in this promotion. Yeah, and this was the point that I made to you. This is, you know, three weeks ago. Uh, you know, when we saw him work his first multi-man match, I, I said, this is the vision. This this makes sense to me. I understand why they're giving this guy a shot because you essentially have this brick wall that you can put in Zebrats who I, it doesn't necessarily match the aesthetic, but certainly gets close to it. And is just sort of a different beast than what we're used to in this promotion. And, uh, you know, I, I, I felt like it was obvious, you know, they were doing everything right with the squash matches. But the squash matches weren't great. But I saw it in that multi-man match. I said, this is this is his future. And it was because it wasn't just UT bumping his ass off. And again, UT was very impressive as he normally is, uh, you know, it, but it's also the mix of Valletta nailing that knee drop. You know, go back a month ago. The knee drop looked horrible. It was light. I said he needs to lay it in. He's working like a guy who's afraid to hurt this roster. He didn't work like that in this match. He had the great knee drop for the finish on UT and then chokes him with a chain, which I thought was excellent, and then has the spots with Kamei where he bends Kamei's spine around the ring post. That is the value in this guy. That is something totally different. The only blemish on him in this match was that I think I think Casey forgot that over-the-top eliminations were in effect, so he just took a bump over the top rope to the floor, and it seemed like clearly didn't mean to do that. Casey did not have a good week. No, like... he did not. You're right. And it's something where, hey, sometimes these things go that way, but just happening on two consecutive shows where the step up Mission Impossible Taupe has never been a problem for him until the last four days. And it's been two pretty grievous things happening. Yeah, no, it's been a tough week for Casey. That was a, a bad look on Memorial Gate with the Mission Impossible dive going wrong. And then here, I think, I, again, I just, I think he forgot the rules and, and paid the price for it when his feet hit the floor. But and that's, you know, that's why I like Zebrat so much. And I'll exclude Kai here because, boy, you can tell he's hurting. They got him out of this match immediately mm-hmm. with that with that machine clutch. But, you which know, shoot, I think, oh, go ahead. Which I think was the right thing to do because of, all the heat that Strong Machine J loses throughout this match and has basically taken L's to this guy since uh, Gate of Base. Uh, Gate of Base, I he needed to be the one to get the uh, the the pen or at least the elimination on Kai. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you get Kai out of there, and you know I, I'm not going to do a Shun thing right now, but his work speaks for itself. I'm very into Valletta and very curious to see what he's going to do in the tag league. It was the February 3rd match. That's on YouTube. That was Ishin Shunan and Kato versus Daya Kakuta and Tanaka. That's the best I think Kato has ever looked. And then you've got the Ishin performance here. And it's why, you know, despite being two years deep into this, this heel unit now, which is crazy to think they're two years old, but they are. I just feel like they have more life. I, I think they have a, a, an interesting way to go. Uh, because when you think about it, you know, a lot of their time has been spent with vibes, obviously a little bit of it with D courage, you know, they never, they never really messed with M three K to any sort of real degree outside of the heel turns on junior. And, you know, I, I feel like there's a lot of stuff left in the tank for them with gold class. And then, you know, with Tanaka and D courage, it just feels like they could run roughshod through this roster for another year. 
and I don't think I'd get sick of it because they're all kind of firing on all cylinders right now. And I think it's something where you kind of have had Zebrats at a point where they're ready for the next evolution, what to change into, like at least maybe not as like new heel lineage. Like I still think that we're coming up on two years. It's time to refresh the colors, put on a, a new coat of paint, get the guys out that need to get out. Like I still think that needs to happen, but the overall core nucleus, you're absolutely right. Like there's so much between Shun, Ishin and Kato just by those three, like as a nucleus going forward that they should be looking super strong especially with this against natural vibes that are now at a point where it's not just uh in the text it's super liminal natural vibes for the first time in five years is not okay and it feels like it's at a crucial point now where i still look ahead to uh aichi and think can you get this into a cage match scenario in about 10 weeks and maybe if you're doing something natural vibes versus zebrats you're able to i before we move on to the post match i want to mention one other thing which is that kamei pin skywalker here with a roll-up and that caught me by surprise only because shun does not get pinned a lot you know we're obviously just coming off of two dreamgate challenges where he lost and so i get that but when you think about but he only took one fall out of those two losses that's right that's right there you go I, I i forgot he didn't take the pinfall in the in the triple threat match so you think about you know just how how rare it is for him to to take a pinfall loss which i think is great i love the way he's protected because again you know you see kamei roll up a lot of guys and win a lot of matches by surprise you don't see it happen with with skywalker all that often i started looking back at his cage match and so you've got you know obviously the monte dreamgate match he lost to Dragon Kid in a singles match in August. He lost to Shimizu and King of Gate in July. He lost the Kakuta uh, Dreamgate match last May. And then he took a pinfall from Strong Machine J and Ray Day Prejas last year. Those are the only obvious pinfalls that I could find in Japan because America is a different story. Those are the only obvious pinfalls I could find that, that Shun took last year. Now, maybe I'm forgetting a six-man here or there where, you know, again, they beat him by roll-up or they beat him by miscommunication. But he doesn't get pinned a lot. And Kamei got him there. That's why it's funny, you know, you said Kamei didn't leave Corkin uh, better or worse than he came in. I think he left better because he pinned Shun Skywalker. And that just does not happen, especially in Corkin Hall, especially in these multi-man matches where he's so, so protected. They had a chance to just throw him over the top rope and they didn't. So I just, I thought that was important to note. I thought that was very interesting. I guess the way I look at it is Kamei has already had a, not a direct fall on. Did he pin Skywalker at Kobe world? Was that the, uh, was the project day on him or on Monte? I feel like, like it was on Monte, but I'll, I'll, I'll double check here real but quick. It, it, it is something where I kind of look at like momentum wise at the very least. And last month we were all talking about which Hagi was he going to give. And we're still back to it for JFK in a way, even if it's, after he gets the the pen on uh he, he gets a pen off of uh off of skywalker even if it is the torbellino into the crucifix it did feel like somewhat of a flash there he uh he pins skywalker at world that's the only other time that i can think that he okay pins skywalker so, so so that has happened but not really like in a like a one-on-one -on -one context like this 
No, and I, I mean, even that was that was a year and a half ago. And you think about how many times they shared the ring last year. And, it, you know, again, if it happened, it, it wasn't uh, it wasn't presented as that big of a deal. But I really thought it popped off the screen this time that Kamei got him. So uh, very, very impressive stuff. I, I got to ask you, you mentioned Hechicero as your possible wrestler of the year earlier. And I just have this, you know, this diatribe about Kamei here and through a month and a week. I'm I'm thinking other than Brian Danielson, Jackie Funky Kamei has been the best wrestler of 2024. Who am I forgetting here? Uh, Danielson. Um, I mean, Daniel, Danielson has the Okada match. Mm-hmm. He has the Hechicero match. And then right. he has the six man from last night that I really liked the AEW CMLL six man on um, on Dynamite. So I, I just I, I thought so much of the Okada match and so much of the Hechicero match. He has to be the clubhouse leader right now. But I'm kind of struggling to think of who else is in that conversation because, you know, it's it's probably Hechicero. You know, Shingo certainly has to be mentioned because he had the Moxley match and the Tama right. Tonga match. Mm-hmm. And then I, I think it's Kamei and then I probably think it's Skywalker. I think that maybe also Monte is on the list after the match he had with Skywalker, too. Yeah, Monte Monte's close. I'm still waiting, and we'll talk about this with Ray De Parejas. Waiting on that that big big hug match that that great like hey these are the two guys you know I'm gonna I'm gonna link this match to a bunch of people because they've got to see this I'm still waiting on that but if he can if he can crush an array de Parejas which I think he can then uh, yes Monte will be in that conversation very quickly. Well, spe- speaking of big hug, moving along to the post match case, unless you have anything else on the main event. I, I went four and a quarter. I, I should Same. note. I don't I don't think that anybody cares. My my written review will be delayed. That's probably going to be published Monday. I was hoping to get it out by today, but not going to happen. Uh, probably not going to happen tomorrow. So we're looking at it probably Monday on that. But I went four and a quarter stars on this main event. Yep, I was at four and a quarter as well. Speaking of big hug, though, in the post match, uh, Z Bratz continues their big beat down, basically just tearing apart JFK. But it is big hug going to save jfk once again we get a big old brawl max z has was brought out in the final moments of the match itself he gets uh he tries to slink away ut who after his elimination is taken to the back comes back from the back with max z they unmask max z it is the rookie suji gucci it is very clear that uh Shun Skywalker basically did this as a just a total ploy to get in their heads at this point. And Strong Machine J is incredibly pissed. He oh he he basically says he regrets being a member of Natural Vibes. They haven't accomplished the thing since he has won. And now we are doing this over this over Jack Jackie Funky Kamei right now. He's mad at Jackie Funky Kamei. He's not happy. He storms out. Shun gloats and Natural Vibe is left for really the first time in their existence in the ring, try to pick up the pieces and without the idea of, Hey, everything will be okay next show. Cause we will be together. So let me start with big hug and then we'll go to, to mass C and then we'll go to the state of natural vibes. Okay. Yep. So big hug. I am really struggling to read where they're going with this because Kamei has pledged loyalty to natural vibes it feels it, it would feel very weird to me if even if if vibes goes away, Kamei has now rejected Big Hug so many times that it, that it doesn't feel like that's the spot for him. I just but I can't 
I can't get a read on what they're going for here. Where I, where are you at with this? I think the idea is that when you say no so many times that when you finally say yes, the response will be so huge. And I think that's the idea is that when Natural Vibes falls apart, he's like, y'all have always been here and you have wanted me to give the big hug. Now it's time for the big hug. That's the idea. It might be a little too cute by half. And it is kind of supposing the idea that uh, Big Hug is the hot super face unit going forward with that. And I think that the, that's kind of where the tea leaves are, though. Man, I I mean, the, it might that, be too cute for half by half. And, that, and that, I yeah, I mean, that, that, that could win me over an execution. But I just I feel like that would be silly, you know, because it's it's not. Monte trying to get Hyo away from Zebrats and that sort of inevitable big hug that we knew we were going to get at some point. Kamei's beloved in the situation that he's in. You know, big hug, they they come across as jerks to me. Like, Kamei just wants to hang out with his friends, and they're going, no, 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 hang out with us instead. It's like the nerd getting befriended by the, the popular kids. He doesn't want to leave his friends in the dust. I'm just, I'm not sold on that being the right fit. I would be so much more interested, and I'm curious to see if you think he's at this level now where if Vibes goes away, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you and I both think Vibes is trending in a in a direction where they might finally go away, yes? Yeah, this is something where you don't make it such a big deal that they've never had any turbulence and then sadly introduce turbulence. Yeah, so if they go away... I would much rather see Kamei once again reject Big Hug and go off and form his own unit where he's the number one guy or at least the 1B guy than join Big Hug. But do you think he's at that point where he can lead a unit? You see, that's very interesting that you asked me that because I was pondering this as I was getting Pudge's dinner together today, thinking, okay, Big Hug, I think you can get to where you want to be with Dragon Kid and Daiki there, even though Daiki has a dark heart. And that Hyo... <laughs> they're they're going to have to assess uh, Hyo's belief in Daiki's dark heart. But uh, I think that four is a, a lot better off. And then from there, out of the parts of uh, Natural Vibes, I think you would almost need to make a unit for Jackie Funky Kamei at this point. I think you have a strong enough uh, pairing with him and Jason, especially Jason now clearly going for heavyweight, going for like kind of dream uh, scenario right now. I think that that's something that's clearly happening that you can go with those two and maybe you maybe you have Shimizu there. Maybe you bring in Susumu there with that. I think you can get to a next kind of face unit with Jack uh, leaving it even if it's not going to be a full, like, at the front of the line unit. And I don't think that's what we're thinking about here for Jack. I don't think, well, we're leaning more towards a a non-comedy form of Tozawa Juku or a Team Boku more so than a Maximum that he's leading. Side note, can you imagine how good a Susumu Kamei tag team would be? That's what I was I, because my, my my mindset and the reason why I was thinking about this is now how big Jason is. And it's not him getting 
big like how mochizuki jr has gotten big it's no. actually <laughs> more it, on that. i'm glad you said that more on that later <laughs> yeah my, my, yeah but uh so i think that like long term we're talking about jason kind of positioning himself where that he can be a believable dream guy and when you do that you're probably going to need to find a new guy to tag with jack and susumu yeah, I think he's at that point. I just think he has a level of momentum, and that's that's why I'm a little excited again. You know, I said, you know, a month out, three months out, six months out, because, and you always have to, in this era of Dragon Gate, be, be wary of the injury or be wary of the unexpected, but it does feel like they have something individually with Skywalker, Kamei, and big hug where if they play their cards right those four guys who are already very popular i feel like they still have one more level to go the problem is that the four of them are intertwined right now and i'm not again i'm not in love with the story they're telling i don't get where the jack big hug thing can go from here because i felt like last month we got a pretty definitive kamei is staying in natural vibes and I just don't see where Hyo and Monte fit into that story. So I'm very curious to see where they go from it because I'm not into it right now. But I do think Jack is at that level, you know, where one thing goes his way. Uh, he plays his cards right in a cork and main event. Now, all of a sudden, despite his size, he looks like, you know, a no doubt main eventer and can form his own unit. So I, I'm intrigued by that. The other thing that I think is worth mentioning here is that. I, d despite the, the turbulence, despite the fact that Strong Machine J, let's say, might not be in natural vibe six months from now, until this unit is gone, I'm going to have a really hard time believing this unit is gone. And if they announce tomorrow Vibes versus Zebrat's unit disbands, I feel like the odds might be in Zebrat's favor, but I'm putting money on natural vibes staying together. I just think this company still in this turbulent Japanese market are going to keep familiar faces together. And until vibes is dead, I won't believe they're going to die. Yeah. And at least for me, until I see the loser disbands thing, as soon as I see the loser disbands thing, then I'm like, all right, time to move on here. Uh, just because I don't feel like Zebrats is at a point where they will lose that match. I feel like the course is strong there and there's like no real compulsion. I feel like that, uh, I don't think a Kai face turn to save natural vibes is in the offing. Basically. No, no, not, not to save vibes. I do. I'm intrigued by a Kai face turn, but not, mm -hmm. not at this point. I mean, that's, this is the problem I had last year and you know, you, you aren't on the same page as me here. And you know, we talked to Jay about it and Jay wasn't, you know, uh, necessarily in, in lockstep with what I was saying either. I like all of these units individually. I think vibes brings, you know, tremendous impact to this, to this promotion in a great way. You know, I, I think they are the best wrestlers on the roster that continuously bring it. I love the way Zebrats is performing right now. I think D courage is super interesting. I think gold class with team muscle is a really interesting thing to watch unfold. And yet there's still an argument that they should all be wiped away and that there should just be a full shakeup. And I don't know what to do with that. You know, I I'm very much in a rock and a hard place with the units right now. I think it's, and, and I know this is my personal, my personal thing, guys. I think it goes back to the fact that outside natural vibes, none of these units have permanently been above five members ever. 
and yeah. that just makes it just makes the ground very shaky if it was something where we had five six guy units i'd be like all right maybe we take out one and we shake them up and add in the independence and we get it from there but i mean gold class has functionally been either three or four people its entire existence zebrats was all zebrats will go down in history as the smallest uh dragon system heal unit just because like at most they've ever had is six most heal units in dragon gate history seven or eight like i i'm mad blanky always were rolling deep pretty much uh and then d courage is only has just now hit four members but you only have one tag team happening in ray day Perejas, and you kind of just look around and you go like oh the unit landscape is not the most stable feeling thing and until we see a new normal where we're used to the idea of three or four person units kind of being the norm or until we get back to the point of six people units i think that this is the reality that we're going to kind of look around and not feel like we're on solid ground for a while i i, I could listen to any argument that any unit should stay or go immediately it's a very odd place to be in absolutely well we talked about big hug where they are now officially as a unit We've kind of talked a little bit about natural vibes, but we have not talked about Zebrats and Max Z case. What do you feel about uh, this Max Z kind of just being a trick and being used basically just to be get under natural vibes head? There's, I'm not of the belief, belief that young boy uh, Suchiguchi is a member of nat- of Zebrats. That's really not what's being told here. It's just a giant ploy that Zebrats is getting into natural vibes head. No, he's not a member of Zebrats, but I'm okay with this for a few reasons. I'm not going to say I like it, but I'm okay with it for a few reasons. Because one, his career will just be more interesting as a result of this angle. Because it, it, this feels like something that you can't ignore. Any other promotion, this would just be a vehicle to get them from one thing to the next. I don't think it will have giant ramifications on what he does throughout his career, but I also think it's interesting. And I also think it could be referenced at multiple points throughout his career. So I'm, I'm really intrigued by that. I also think, and I, and I understand maybe why some people felt burnt by this, but I don't think there's any sort of, you know, guarantee that masked Z had to be an established roster member or a giant star or a big turn to some degree they can get away with this because it led, sorry if you can hear the sirens blaring behind me, it's very loud outside right now, but they can get away with this because it led to a strong machine J angle that very clearly is going to have some momentum and going to have some depth. If they just did this, unmasked him, and then said, ah, Zebrats, we'll get you next time. All right, now I understand the complaint, but this led to something else. The unmasking was just the odd part of this. I personally wouldn't have done it because you can only unmask so many guys and I would hate to waste that pop on somebody that the audience doesn't know, but I was not offended by the result of it by any means. I guess, like, a reason why I actually really like this, I will be the contrarian here, Kaz. Please. Uh, Dragon Gate, throughout its history, dating back to Dr. Muscle, have used... These masked characters, Dr. Muscle, Metal Warrior, uh, Mask Z, the uh, R.E.D. Demon Masks, they have used them as big turns for upwards of almost 20 years, Case, If you think about 
Dr. Muscle coming around. Like we're, we're, we're really talking about 15, uh, 18, yeah, uh, 19 yeah, I mean, years. Two, 2007, maybe 2008 so, for sure. The, the mask turn gimmick in Dragon Gate has its driver's license is what we're essentially saying. At a certain point, you should be able to use it as a device, not purely for turns. You're able to use it in very rare kind of instances, and there's not too many other times that this has happened in Dragon Gate where you can do the masked uh, invader bait and switch. And I felt like for here, especially with the idea of being like the huge chink in natural vibes armor after five years is this idea that now everyone is kind of looking at each other because someone stole Jack's pants. And now Jack is just unable to get on the same page with people in the unit. It happened at Memorial Gate where he was going for his uh, whoopee cushion and hit KZ instead. Now he hits... Uh, uh, he hits Strong Machine J with a box attack. It's the first real time, really, in the history of Natural Vibes that there's been any sort of discord of this, and it's all caused because it's a fake out. I think that's kind of brilliant. Again, it, it went somewhere, so I like it. But my only thing is just, again, you only get you only get so many unmasking opportunities, and the audience, I think, was on the edge of their seat waiting to see who it was going to be. And then nobody knew who it was. And so you kind of heard that murmur, just that, like, oh, 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 I don't I don't know who that is. What is this Ricky Hashi just as the bait and switch? <laughs> um, I would have lost my fucking mind. <laughs> no longer I, wrestling, but um, still involved. I would have flown to Japan to go to the next Dragon Gate show. It, 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 I, I mean, like, I, I, I get your point that it's this rookie that now we will have this uh fun little anecdote yeah, for exactly. their main yeah, yeah, career. Yeah. But yeah, it, it, it's something where like in the greater scheme of things, unless there's like immediately Mass Z the third showing up next week, I'm okay. Yes. And and uh, to be clear, I don't even think there's anything inherently wrong with unmasking the young boy and, and sacrificing that pop. I just thinking about, you know, if it was my promotion, I just wouldn't have done that because you, you only get so many chances to have that very special reaction. But uh, it wasn't Ricky Hashi. It was a, a current young boy, which is a damn shame. And it led to the Strong Machine J stuff, which I think is going to be very interesting uh, to see where that goes throughout the year. You know, it was two years ago we were going at, you know, at this time, man, how is Strong Machine J going to fit into a unit that isn't the machine army? And Natural Vibes saved his career. It gave him confidence. And I don't want to say that he's outgrown this unit, but it is the biggest unit in the promotion. He definitely has a different for lack of a better term, vibe than the rest of them. And I'm excited to see where he goes if he does decide to leave vibes because he's a guy who could lead his own his own unit. That wouldn't shock me at all. It also wouldn't shock me, just given the wacky logic of Drangate, if he falls underneath the spell of Shun Skywalker yeah, and all baby. of a sudden we have another mass tag team with Shun and Strong Machine J. And there's like a certain kind of energy that I feel like that Strong Machine J as a heel. Like I've been kind of... Looking at that in a way, case I think that there is something about him having a black and yellow mask that could be really good. I, I, I would good. love, and I, I apologize because this is gross fantasy booking, but I would love to figure out a way to where Vibes survives, Zebrats doesn't, which means Kai is no longer the lead heel. So Kai turns face, and we right. get a we get a Strong Machine J Shun Skywalker led heel unit. I think that would be a very fun way to go about things. 
I think uh, Shun, SMJ, Ishin, and Kato, and then you could fill it up from there. You have a core. Like that's do you strong. think do you think Zebras as they stand, do you think they need a Brave Gate guy in terms of, of build? You know, maybe I'm not saying they need a Brave Gate champion, do, but they do do they need to replace the Hyo sized void in that unit, or are they good as is? I think that that's a unit that right now you have uh four uh four or to five of the meanest looking guys in the company. You don't need to go small right now. Like Ishan, you could tell Ishan to, you know, stop uh, stopping a sumo, essentially, if you really need another Brave Gate guy. But I think it's I think it's better off right now without that. Yeah, I think it's better off for for that unit, and I think it's better off for the Brave Gate belt because as we talk about the you know the tumultuous time that the Brave Gate belt has had, I think it's because for the last two years it's felt like Kento is challenging or Hyo is challenging. And it's just this, or Ishin is challenging, and it's just this constant staving off of the heel unit. And Hyo has a chance to do something more interesting now. Absolutely. Uh, speak. We'll get into what Hyo is doing in the post match, but uh, working on our way back, we have the M3K final. It's the match we knew that they were going to do before they sent this unit off. Uh, Masaki Mochizuki teams of Mochizuki Jr. against Asumu Mochizuki and Zushi Kanda. And Mochizuki Jr.'s excursion send-off match, the finish is a jumbo pin on Jr. At a certain point, it's worth stating that at a certain point, Jr. and everyone, the match breaks down and they start beating the crap, slapping and kicking each other. And then the dad starts kicking his son and the son starts kicking his dad and the dad just throws his hands up and lets him kind of fight it out. And then Susumu just keeps on clotheslining him until the jumbo pin works. And it was beautiful. Man, Junior got fat. He got real fat. It was like, I saw him. At, w- when did he return? Bayside? Uh, I, I mean, he appeared before Bayside. He appeared at Kobe Sambo. But. Yeah, I, did, I didn't notice it then. I noticed it at Bayside, and then I he posted a photo of before the, the most recent injury and then after, and I was like, oh, yeah. He, um, he did not used to look like that. He used to be way more cut, and I... You know, people people get hurt. He doesn't need to be rail thin. It's okay. But he is also going to a different country for at least three months. And it's a I'd be a little scared. You know, we've seen guys go to the UK for excursion. They don't take care of their bodies. And then the office and specifically New Japan and uh, uh, Shoto Minu, the office has to go get your shit together, please. We'd like to have you come back to Japan at some point. And I'm just I'm a little worried for Junior right now. I, I wonder how much of it is that I've never had my uh, kneecap dislocate case, but I have to imagine that your mobility and your ability to do cardio, even in like the return and like the rehab aspect of it, is completely shot to hell. It has to suck. Yeah, it's, it's, but, it's, but he's it also was, twenty. It's, it's, yeah, but it's also, also you're right. I you know I knew I you know I knew it was a knee injury, but what an awful injury to have. It, it is one of those things that like I could tear a tendon case. I could have an issue with a patella, but the idea of dislocating in my kneecap just uniquely just is like it. If I'm ever kidnapped and tortured, don't go for if you go for the knees, I'll give up everything immediate. (laughs) Just take a hammer right there and it's done. But like there's a bit of this that like when I was uh, when I was uh, Mochizuki Jr.'s age case, my weight. uh fluctuated between like 50 pounds over an 18 month period he can he can bounce back and forth from it but 
boy, it's noticeable. And when he posts the photos of uh, him on his debut and he looks really kind of shrimpy in a way, (laughs) (laughs) like that's the thing. Like you look at these photos and it's it's his first tweet up there. It's a retweet of Susumu basically saying, oh, this is this went by way too fast, which, hey, uh, Yazushi Kanda should I, I, I know it's hell to maintain, but Yazushi Kanda's huge mohawk was always a vibe. And it was always a good look. But then you look at him there and then you look at the next one and it's just like, wow, okay, that's wild. And I know that like his hair cut also makes him makes his hair look a little bit more rounded in a way. But boy, it's he went from 77 kilograms to 94 kilograms. So that's a that, big that, increase. That's almost 40 pounds. Kid. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a big increase. Uh, as for M3K itself. I will say I feel like this is one of my bigger wins in the last few years is just recognizing the value of this unit right away. And and that is without the knowledge that Yasushi Kondo was going to be who he was in the last year. Your overall thoughts, memories, standout moments of this unit. It was both of our units of 2023. We thought that was the best unit in all of the promotion. For me, since their debut in June of 2022, they've been my favorite thing in the promotion. I'm very, very sad to see them go. I think the promotion is going to look a little weird without them going forward. What do you think when you think of the legacy of M3K? I think um, more so than anything else, what we saw with M3K was an ability to use the company's past in a way to really foster the future in the most direct way possible as it's going through this generational shift. And it is something where you had essentially Masaki Mochizuki's credibility within the company was never going to be tested there. But there was a big risk of what would happen if uh, if Mochizuki Jr. just didn't work. What if Mochizuki Jr. and I'm not trying to relitigate or go through things. What if he ended up like Daichi, you know? Like the, the Hashimoto, Daichi Hashimoto, as I'm saying, yes, Daichi Hashimoto. What if it was that kind of thing where, like, he figured himself out and it seems to be working out for him right now, but it's not what anyone really was hoping for when the son of Shinya Hashimoto debuts and he's doing those homages to his father and is wrestling the other three musketeers and Masaki Mochizuki's giving him kicks and all of that. That's uh, the. Where he ended up was not where they were hoping. And there was like an aspect of that that I felt like there was a big risk with kind of uh, positioning uh, Mochizuki Jr. so tightly to his dad, his dad's unit, and all of that. But every opportunity that came across, at least for what I remember, what M3K best for is creating an environment that every single opportunity that Mochizuki Jr. had to show that he's not just out there as the son of Masaki Mochizuki. He was his own he was his own wrestler and he was able to grab his own destiny. And I feel like that that's my big takeaway is it enabled that to happen when it very easily could have gone wrong in a lot of different ways. I had to look to see if Daishi Hashimoto was still wrestling because I haven't heard his name in the longest time. I think he's a six-man champ right now. Okay, that means very little to me, Mike, but he is still wrestling, and I have this match for you on October 1st, 2023. 
Naoki Tanazaki and Naruki Doi defeat Daichi Hashimoto and Kota Sekifuda. I don't know if that match made tape or not, but if it did, somebody please send it to me because I would love to see that. Would a Naoki Tanazaki match make tape? That's the thing. It's it's the Osaka surprise shows, and I never I feel like some of them are filmed and some of them aren't. Maybe I'm just wrong on that, but I I I, I don't I don't know the deal with Big Japan's taping schedule. I don't I'm I'm not in the loop on that. So if it uh, if it made tape, somebody please let me know because I'd like to watch that uh, even if it's not any good. Um, look, M3K for me. You're you're right. You know the risk here was huge. You got to remember Junior's first match was a main event of Cork and Hall, and then he immediately got hurt. And we went through that that period in the summer of 2022 where uh, things weren't trending great for Kobe World. Ashita left, Akuda was gone, and you had the start of this M3K unit that was exciting, but you had that weekend in the company that the first weekend Junior was hurt, and so you just had trios matches. It was a Fukuoka double shot. You had trios matches with just Mochizuki, Mochizuki, and Kanda, the old guys. And it was like old guys playing dress up and trying to, to put on their letterman jacket and relive their glory years. And it sucked. And it was just a bummer. And I wasn't sure where things were going to go from there. You instead transition right from, you know, the, the Triangle Gate Championship when it whirled into the feud with Ishin Ihashi and, and Ishin Ricky, his father, the great generational feud that they did there that led to the turn in all caps Ishin. You go into 2023. To me, the ultimate peak of the unit is Mochizuki uh, Jr. and Masaki Mochizuki and Ray Day Parejas. And then in the other blocks, Asumu and Kanda and Ray Day Parejas, really those two teams sort of ran that tournament last year. Uh, such great stuff there. And then the beautiful thing in 2023, divorced of Mochizuki Jr., is that the unit found a way to survive when it was just the old guys. Kanda had a career year. Susumu had a resurgence. Masaki Mochizuki was great throughout the entire year. It was a very, very successful unit. I think they set Junior up on the right path. I and maybe this was the plan, but injuries just you know prevented it. I really think there was more to do with the father son tag team. I don't think we'll ever get them in these specific roles again, where it's going to make so much sense. Where it's same unit, it's based on Masaki Mochizuki's nostalgia. It's based on his past, and you have his son there not yet established, looking for anything that he can do to make his mark in the company and make his mark away from his father. I thought the tag team dynamic was so, so interesting. I would have liked to have seen more of that, but even as the unit stands, I think overall a smashing success. Absolutely, I'm with you on that. In the post-match, we had uh, Misaki Mochizuki and uh, Mochizuki Jr. talk about the, the unit uh, disbanding Mochizuki Jr. Uh, I don't know when his first date is in the UK, but I know he has one last uh, Dragon Gate related event. There's like an M3K send off fan meet that's happening in Kobe, but he is now heading to Europe. He said that he will come back. He will uh, get bigger, get stronger, and most importantly, he will come back. And uh, Mochizuki basically said, well, Y'all were the two I could really trust, Asumu and Kanda. You were the ones that I knew that if I were going to do this, you're the ones that I knew would have my back. You gave up essentially two years of your career to help me out here. What do you all want to do after this? Susumu immediately said, well, I'm getting back in the front of the line. I'm calling out Luis Monte for uh, Champion Gate. I didn't get a chance to face him in King of Gate. That was the single, that was the first round matchup that did not happen. 
in King of Gate. Uh, of course, Luis Monte went back to Mexico to heal up from the cage match. And after that, Yuzushi Kanda laid out a challenge for for Hio that if he makes the weight uh the weight limit 82 kilos, he wants to go for the Brave Gate. So we're getting Susumu Kanda versus Big Hug at Champion Gate. Our singles matches are made. It is Susumu Mochizuki versus Luis Monte for the Open the Dream Gate, and it is Yuzushi Kanda versus Hio for Open the Brave Gate happening at Osaka. This is night two of of uh, the traditional. Uh, champion gate uh, lineup it is the only night of champion gate this year it is on march 3rd i am less enthused about hyo versus kanda i'm i just for as good as kanda was last year i it's not setting up hyo no it's not not setting up hyo to have the the match of his life that i'm looking for him to desperately have it's it's not that now susumu versus monte home run no notes perfect perfect kind of match for that show i Great. I can't wait for it. Awesome stuff there. Yeah, it, it's something where they just aren't giving... I, I don't know what the banger Bravegate match for Hio is at this point. Because they already did the JFK match, and that yeah. wasn't it. So, it, unless, like, uh, Kaito Nagano comes back and is and Hio becomes, like, the base god, I don't know if that's going to be it either. So... I, I, I'm intrigued by this. Uh, Kanda, I mean, it's, it's pro- I mean it, they haven't done Hyo versus Tanaka, right? Hyo, no, they did not because they did uh, Ishin versus Tanaka at Gate of, Gate of Destiny. Yeah, I mean, that's that's, that's probably the, what you got to hold out hope for. But it's a it's a weird roster. You know, there's just mm-hmm. there's not a lot of depth there. You know, think about he's he's already done the Kamei match and then they went Kagatora and they went punch in the last two. And you just go down the roster. You know, Jason's too big now. You'll probably get a UT mash in there, but you know that has a ceiling just because of the believability that UT will win. And then it's you know nobody in Zebrats. Uh, say that again. And then it's Dragon Kid, basically. Yeah, you. Know, I mean, Dragon Kid, Genki. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think that Choco Boy is at that point anymore. Yeah, Estrella will probably pop back in in May, and I would assume you do Hyo versus Estrella, just like they did Jason versus Estrella last year. But there's just. It's weird. There's not a lot of Brave Gate guys on the roster right now, and that is certainly hurting Hyo's chances of having the match that he desperately needs to have. Daya. Daya, yeah, Daya. But, I, you know, Daya, yes, but Daya, no. I'm Sometimes yeah. his singles matches are just not where I want them to be, and they're a victim of expectation, and I think I finally recalibrated what a Daya singles match that isn't against Monte or isn't against Shun looks like. And the the thing is, is that you're looking for those kind of matches, and you're not going to get that with Hio. And that, I mean, I, look, that's the that's the hope. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. I'm hoping Hio has a four and a half star singles match in him. I I am not entirely convinced that he does, but I'm really hoping that he does because it's the it's the thing that's missing from his his resume right now. Yeah, and really, if we look at it with the idea and the goal that we have stated, that everything for Hio is at a certain point where he gets that match. I think right now, if we look at the way that Dragon Gate is for MVP, your front house, your clubhouse leader right now is Hyo, if you have that. And I don't think that if that's the goal, Yuzushi Kanda is not the person that I think gets you to the goal. Well, but, we we say that, but we also we also could have said that about Ray Day Parejas last year, and we were proven wrong, so... 
I will I will give Conda some benefit of the doubt. I'm not entirely there. We'll see if any of their interactions in the build of that match happen. I mean, I personally love that we're a month out from Champion Gate and we have the two big matches decided already because I, I feel like, you know, part of this generation of Dragon Gate, some things have been done really last minute. Some title matches haven't had the time to breathe or they've been booked and then a guy goes away and, and goes to America for a little bit and that's always very awkward. So... I love that, you know, even with not a lot of TV in February and not a lot of official TV in March, that we're going to get, you know, hopefully some some road to matches here that are hopefully worthwhile. Yeah, and it's something where we look uh, at the uh, schedule that they have coming up TV-wise, and that screams Kyoto KBS Hall main event, Big Hug versus Asumu and Kanda. Yes, very much so. Yeah, it's one of those things that, like, I, I, I'm i not calling my shot here, Case, but I think that we can look at that and we're like, okay, we see where we're going to go with that as well. Uh, working our way back through the Corquin card from there, we go to six-man tag, D-Courage versus Big Hug and Ultimo. Big Hug has now big gear. Ultimo kind of did not really do a whole lot in this match, but we had... A fun finish with Ultimo basically feeding Tanaka to uh, Luis Monte to get the win. Uh, Big Hug continues. And uh, now, uh, do we think a week after we... Uh, Jay explained it on commentary, but I do like to believe a little bit that we are cribbing Magu right now for Hyo. Yeah, I look, I, I think so. You know, I think they found... It, it's, it's interesting. They found a pretty boy act that is different enough from Menorah to where it doesn't feel like they're stealing Minora's Thunder. It feels very unique. I, I'm more concerned about the fact that Hyo's charisma is just so otherworldly right now that he's kind of taking things away from Monte. Now, this was an excellent Monte performance. I love his new gear. I love this match. This was a very, very good night for Big Hug. I was good, three and a half on this. this was I, fun. I was three and three quarters. I liked it that much. I, I right. really got into it. And maybe I'm a little high on that, but it just... I, I felt like it satisfied an itch for me. I really liked the way this match was laid out. I loved Ultimo doing the hot tag drop kicks. Seeing him get elevated was a ton of fun. And uh, it's another D-Courage match that I thought was uh, very, very good. So good stuff all around here. And uh, yes, Yo is just, again, all it, it, he'll, get some, he'll, he'll get something special in Ray Day Parejas, but all he is missing is just a holy shit, look at this match. That's the only thing that I think is really... Uh, not in his arsenal right now is a high-end singles match and a high-end big hug tag the big hug tag i think we'll get within the next month absolutely uh going down the card we have our second of two singles matches jason lee versus Ata. Ata wins in five minutes and 58 seconds with the el numero uno where he literally got the el numero uno to escape death and basically it, it was fascinating uh Eita didn't really have any of this match until the El Numero Uno felt like he kept on going for arm submissions and Jason was kind of powering his way through it, throughout it. This is all I want from Eita. Th this is it. This is the blueprint. He doesn't need to be in a unit if he doesn't want to be. He doesn't need to be pushed if he doesn't want to be. I just want him to show up once a month and do cool little grappling matches like the one he did here with Jason Lee. All right, get him back in the ring with Fudo when Fudo's healthy. Do that. Have him and Minora do something cool. Have him and Kato do something cool. Have him and UT do something cool. All I want 
is Ata to do matches like this where he's not bumping on his neck and I will be perfectly satisfied with his presence here. I thought this match was a ton of fun. Yeah, this was a six-minute blast. It's something where Ata finds a guy that he's able to kind of do some submissions, do some mat work, and Jason is able to get over the fact that he's, it seems like he he's not going to go for 100 kilos, but he's going to get close to it. And it's just kind of a fun little thing to do. Like, we... Eight is going to be around, and if eight is going to be around in like this context, that's totally fine. I don't think Jason loses anything. No, no, not at all. I, I specifically, there's a spot where Ata goes, it looks like he's going to go for a tornado DDT, and then he just rolls all the way through and turns it into a crazy arm submission. That to me was the spot of the match, and it was it was cool. You know, I mentioned this last week. I, I kind of thought in 2023, I kind of thought Jason got too big. And it hurt his mobility. It hurt the speed that he normally works in. It didn't feel like Jason was having Jason style of matches. And then he turned that around at Bayside with the excellent uh, Twin Gate match. And then here was, you know, just Jason on the mat. Jason grappling with Ato, which we don't really get to see a lot of. And I thought it was awesome. I, I went three and a half on this. Maybe I'm high on it as well, nope, but it was just... I, I, that's what I had too. <laughs> yeah, it's just, this is all that I'm asking for from Ata. If you're not going to be a part of the day-to-day of this promotion, if you're not going to be a guy that is actually important, do stuff like this. This was fun. I, I had a lot of fun watching this match. I want to see more matches like this. Yeah, no, I'm totally with you on that. Uh Working our way down the car, we'll, we'll get through these these last three ones pretty quickly. Uh, Six-man tag, uh, Gold Class, Kodaman, Nora, Benkei, and BB Hulk versus unaffiliated Takashi Yoshida, Kagatora, and Punch Tominaga. Uh, Benkei wins with a lift-up spear in a match where they were trying to find inventive ways for Benkei to spear Punch Tominaga. And I think they accomplished their goal there, so more power to them. Yep, the rocket spear was really sick. It was I really- fun. Yeah, anti-air spear. Uh, match to the other singles match, almost one year to the day of his debut, 11 months, actually. Daiki Yanagiuchi, Don Fuji 2. The result's the same. Don Fuji wins, this time with the Nodawa Toshi in three minutes and two seconds. Most notably here, Daiki hit two Tope Suicidas to start this match, not one like his debut. Awesome stuff here while it lasted. I, I feel like Daiki is now on a, on a run here of three or four months where he's continuously been impressive. Very simple format here. Fuji beats the crap out of a young guy. We've seen it before. We've seen it. We love it. I'm all for it. At some point, he's got to get the win. I, I don't know who that comes against. I don't know when that comes. I, I can't really get a feel on when they start the micro elevation of Daiki Yanagiuchi, but I am ready for it. I will tell you that much. Yeah, the uh, very... Uh, we just want to see him on the winning side first. Like, it, it, it's it's baby steps for him. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, you think about like what they did with Fuda last year, where they just booked him in a in a random six man, and he won. And it was like, oh my god, Fuda won. He has momentum, and I'm I'm kind of waiting for that from him right now. And I think he's a guy who, you know, the obvious fit there is is big hug, but I think you can put him in a few different spots. There's a few different guys on the roster that I'm sure he'd have chemistry with. Eleven months in, all right, I'm. I'm ready to see it. I One other piece of evidence for him in Big Hug. Think about the ways that Monte could use him as a weapon. I know. I, I'm all for it. I'm all yeah. for it. Uh, our opener was a 15-minute time limit draw. It was supposed to kind of be a Ray de Parejas preview, but turns out 
the the team that we had coming out of this match was not one of the two teams going into it. It is the uh, most decorated tag team in Dragon Gate history. Yamato and Naruki Doi up against Dragon Kid and Suji Kondo. 15-minute time limit draw. After the match, uh, Dragon Kid basically was begging everyone to be his partner at Rey de Parejas because uh, Yamato said at Memorial Gate, I'm done with you. And then he tried up to Suji Kondo. Suji Kondo, the one person guaranteed to say no. He, then he goes up to Naruki Doi. Naruki Doi says no, but it ends up that Naruki Doi is Dragon Kid's partner in Ray de Parejas 2024. A slow seven and a half minutes, followed by a super exciting seven and a half minutes. A, a tale of two stories in the opening match. I am super into the Doi Dragon Kid tag team. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, this was a night where I thought Shuji Kondo, for the most part, had his working boots on. So I would recommend this opener as well. I really like the opener. Okay. I thought I thought the slow opening, and a lot of that is because it's a lot of perfunctory Yamato grappling, and that that making the match kind of all about Dragon Kid. There is that to it, but when you get into a certain point where after that you had the, a really fun Naruki Doi Shuji Kondo Yave <laughs> kind of trading holds, and then uh, basically Dragon Kid getting uh, Kumanage to death, and at a certain point there, I'm like. How much did I really enjoy this match? Did I enjoy this match three and a half stars worth? Yes. Did I enjoy this match three and three quarter stars worth? Yes. Mike, is this a notebook match? It kind of is a notebook match. Wow. Okay. I, I just ended up, I, I think it is just something that you had these four guys here and the way that they played up Kondo and Dragon Kid just really kind of tickled me in the right place there where I, I did not notice that it was like a 10 minute call. When, when it happened in this and it then was, it, was, it was very fun stuff again you know i i think condo nine times out of ten is such an enjoyable addition to this promotion i'm glad that he's around and it's it's for stuff like this you know i i think uh i think they get a lot of mileage out of him creatively there's always spots in condo matches that i think are really memorable and really interesting and the the uh the consistent use of dragon kid as a weapon was that sort of thing in this match Absolutely. And that was the uh, Corquin Hall show for this month for Dragon Gate. February 7th, uh, it's up on Dragon Gate Network. Uh, cases review will probably be up on Voices of Wrestling uh, Monday. Yeah, at- it'll be up. At, uh, I, I, it'll be up at some point. It's uh, uh, it, it, I'm, I'm behind. I'm, I, I apologize for that. But uh, watch the main event. I think the M3K match is worth watching. I think the D-Courage Big Hug match is worth watching. I think Ata Jason Lee is worth watching. And Mike really liked the opener, so I got to put that on the list as well. It was something where you're not really wasting your time on this Cork and Hall show, which I no, feel like... other than the punch match, which I, I thought was, you know, fine, but a waste of time. Everything else either mattered or over-delivered at the very least. And at least with the punch match, they found a way to keep it somewhat interesting in that Benkei tried to find creative ways to spear Punch no Managa. Like, if you're going to have to subject us to like it, then make it at least a little bit interesting. Speaking of a little bit interesting, l- l- let's hit up a Memorial Gates off real quick case. Uh, overall takeaways, I think we both kind of are similar about it. Just is Memorial Gate the least consequential Dragon Gate name show of the year? Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, because I, because at least with Gate of Origin, the Sendai market is interesting and, and Dragon Gate can do interesting stuff there. I mean, Memorial Gate 
it's funny. I was looking back at old Memorial Gate shows, and I, I need to ask Jay this next time we talk to him, where, you know, at one point it was Dreamgate match, Twingate match, Bravegate match, all in the same show. You obviously have Ata versus Doi in 2020, which I'm sure was designed to be at Kobe World, but because of COVID, they ended up doing it in August and doing it at Memorial Gate that year. I would just like to know what, what the company thinks of this show, or if it's, you know, an annoyance, or if it's something that they they still find value in outside of just the financial aspect of it because it, you know, it just, it feels like a show with no care. And that was the result. You know, it just, it's not a show that I think is essential by any means whatsoever. Yeah. It always kind of comes off as less than the sum of its parts. And it is something where we're at this point now with this show where the building sometimes is hot. It is something where Hio was the most over person on the shows. That's no big surprise there. But things just kind of happen on it. Like you get a 10 minute Ryo Yatsunaka versus Strong Machine J match on the showcase. I thought that was okay. I was three and a quarter stars on it. It wasn't bad. But I don't think anyone really comes out of it like feeling that much better. You do have a two title matches. Hio retains against Punch Tomonaga. Uh, Kai uh, gets the win for uh, the uh, Zebrats team. Basically, the only thing he does all match is come in for the finishing stretch there. And it's, there's just not a whole lot about this Memorial Gate card. I mean, the fact that this was this weekend, four days ago, Case, and really the most notable thing to me on the show is, hey, we got to see Strong Machine J's new gold ship move. It's kind of cool. That, that That was like my big takeaway from this allegedly named show yeah people were way more into the triangle gate match than i was because you were you were four stars on that right it may it got its way back to four stars but a lot of that four stars for me was the uh ability of of kato really getting to the point where he's able to kind of hold a match together in a way that i think we we don't really acknowledge a lot when these younger or less experienced guys end up being the glue pieces of these units or of these teams. And I feel like Yoshiki Kato held a match together that almost completely was an abject disaster with uh, with KZ getting his leg tangled up in the, in the ropes during the step up uh, Topic on the yeah, no, I Kato was very good here. He's he's really, I think, feeling himself right now, which is nice to see. But I still, I mean, I was at I was at maybe three and a half on the Triangle Gate match. Honestly, the 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 match just from a personal standpoint, not from a star rating standpoint, but I think the match that I enjoyed the most on this show was the M3K versus uh Dragon Kid, Monte, Ultimo, and Yamato match. Because I thought Monte looked excellent. I thought he looked like the the main event A level guy in this match. And then Ultimo teased the Asai Moonsault. So I pop I pop for both those things. And when those are the things that really are your takeaways. From yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a three and a quarter star match, but it was like, right, oh, this yeah. is fun at least. I'm having a good time watching this. Mm-hmm. I I'm just gonna read through the results real quick. Yeah, Kate, please. And yeah, we yeah. can start talking about rated Brayos. Okay. So uh four sixty two is the announced attendance. Uh Opener, uh, Kakuta and Daya over Horiguchi and Kage. It is a DD DDT on Horiguchi. Uh, Strong Machine J wins with his gold ship on Ryo Tanaka. I just love gold ship as a move name. It rocks. Uh, gold class defeat, uh, Don Fuji, Takashi Yoshida, and Hoho Loon Benkei wins with the spear. 
Uh, Jason Lee and UT lose to Shun and Johnny after a King Kong knee drop on UT. Double count out for the M3K final road in Wakayama and that eight-man tag. So M3K win. Uh, then the semi-main event, Hio defeats uh, Punch Tomonaga in 10 minutes and 52 seconds in a just over three-star match against Punch Tomonaga. And then Kai Ishin and Yoshiki Kato make their third defense of the Triangle Gate against KZ, Big Boss Shimizu, and Jackie Funky Kame in a match that kind of was snake bit in a way. I felt like it came together a little bit more in the end than you did, though. Yeah, it was, I, again, it was fine. I mean, certainly the KZ uh, botch on the Mission Impossible was terrifying, and I'm, I'm very glad that he's not hurt from that. And again, I thought it was a fine match. You know, again, Kato looked very good, but I, I seem to be the low man on that because I saw a few different people go notebook on it. Yeah, it, and it's something where I kind of, this was different than Bayside, but not nearly as good. I think that you had something really there doing the Battle of Bayside. Yes, no, with... the, the the Bayside match was not great, but it hit all the beats that it needed to. Mm-hmm. And outside of like i thought the on the bayside match the masked z interference i thought that fell flat it was poorly timed and just didn't come across hot but the rest of the match i thought was very good and i thought jay in particular had a great night this was perfectly fine wrestling you know it's kind of one of those it's three and a half and drag would be four stars anywhere else but i've just i i've seen these units have much better title matches before so this didn't jump out to me as anything special and I was sick of watching the show by this point. Yeah, it's something where it's tough. Memorial Gate, like, used to be a DVD show, but those DVD shows were more essential than these. Uh, Before we talk on Radio Prayhouse case, I wanted to make sure we we covered this. Uh, It was announced on the 5th over the weekend. Uh, Spring Break 8 and Philadelphia Penn's Landing caters GCW's collective has a Dragon Gate six-man tag team match that's been announced. It is Dragon Space Gate Classic, okay, Yamato, Dragon Kid, and KZ going up against the Reiwa New Generation leaders, Shun Skywalker teaming with King with Team Muscle, Benkei, and Kota Minor. So we're getting old versus new for the first Dragon Gate six-man tag since 2013. I think it's a cool idea. I, I'm I'm very into it. You know, I can speak as somebody that was tipped off to the fact that that there was going to be Dragon involvement on this show a little bit before it was announced. This was not the original plan. Uh, they were going to do a, a trio of Drangate wrestlers against uh, what I'll label them unaffiliated luchadors. Think about the lucha guys that are always in America. Uh, that's they were going to do a, a Drangate trios match against them, and then there was talk of doing Dragon Gate versus cmll and that might happen on a different show i don't know i don't know exactly what all Gate is booked on but the original plan for spring break was not to do just a six-man Gate tag but to split up trios and do one match here one match there it seemed like uh from what i was able to gather from somebody that i talked to that gcw wanted to respect unit affiliations but they were also dealt an odd hand of two unaffiliated uh, one heel, one natural vibes, and one gold cl- or and two gold class. So it looked like it was going to be, uh, and let me check my notes here. It looked like it was going to be uh, Dragon Kid, Yamato, and Shun was the the trio I saw listed. And I pointed out to them, 
hey, that's a little weird that Shun is a heel. You know, normally if it was baby faces, they wouldn't totally care. But, you know, Shun teaming with with those guys would be a little bit odd. So I, I don't know what happened at the time that I heard about the initial idea to what they're doing. But I know that I'm into what they're doing. And, you know, I, I have my issues with GCW. We don't need to relitigate it. But I'm excited for this match. You know, the, the only other note that I'll give you before I throw it back to you is, and I, I, I don't think I'm telling tales out of school here, they wanted intel on Coach Minora. He was the guy that was very unfamiliar in the matter. Uh, you know, a guy that has this paperwork that Drangate clearly wants to get out there. But Minora has not worked in America, and it didn't seem like that crew knew a lot about him. So hopefully by the time that commentary rolls around, they will be informed on who exactly he is and what he has going on, because that was the guy that I got a lot of questions about. Yeah, it's something where it's just the scenario where you look at the heel sides and there's not uh, visas for Ishan or Kato, and Kato's nowhere close to a point where I would want to have him be representing the company in that kind of fashion. So going Rewa uh, Big Six was kind of the only way to play, and it is at the very least there is logic there. Like if we're looking yeah, at this purely, yeah, absolutely. From a Dragon Gate standpoint, okay, you have essentially uh, three of your old veteran leaders, like Yamato, Company Ace, Big Six, Dragon Kid, uh, Dragon Kid, like that's all I need to say there. And then KZ, who essentially is that has been that bridge piece, and especially for Western audiences, I think is seen as that big star. I think this really works. And I think it's something where I'm working on something right now where it's like talking about these six man tags and about featuring and how this often kind of goes. And the person that I look at this match, other than I think Casey, just because of the crowd and everything will be, uh, will, will be crazy over there. I just look at Benkei and the, the year that Benkei is going to have internationally and Benke doing WrestleMania weekend shows and Benke doing uh, British Kingdom Pro Wrestling and that kind of British wrestling show. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy is just going to become like the most favorite person that some kids are going to see over the, this uh, o- over this year. And, and I, I can just see like randomly a whole bunch of kids loving Dragon Gate because of this really loud beatboxer coming into town. And I think that's so cool. Yeah, yeah. You know, the the matches that were were thrown out before this was announced, I hope they happen because I think they'd be great. But in terms of Drangate reestablishing a footprint in America, I think this is the best option. You know, I think I think this has a chance to be really, really great. I wish it wasn't on the spring break show because that is uh, just so not for me. But it it probably is the highest profile show of the weekend. I mean, I don't even I don't even know what they're doing. I know there's the Drangate versus ETU show, which mm-hmm. if you remember all the way back a year and a half ago, they were the first promotion to book Kento and Estrella in America. They did those two in a singles match and they took it really seriously and I thought they did a great job with their presentation. So whatever they do, I'm looking forward to it. It, it, it to my knowledge it is just those six Drangate wrestlers in America. I don't think anybody else from from Drangate is coming over. Just those six. Uh, but did, did there oh, someone ahead. else that will be in America too from Dragon Gate? Oh, uh, that tweet. That tweet bummed me out. Did you see that Australia tweet? I sent you that Australia. Yeah, that's tweet. right. That's right. Oh man. <laughs> 
Yeah. That sucked. I mean, look, you know, I, for those that don't know, I mean, Australia will probably come back and do the same schedule that he did last year where he renews his visa and does May, June, July in Japan. But I I have uh, on, on good authority, Australia is planning on being in North America through the first part of 2025. So don't expect him back in Japan uh, anytime soon. I was told basically, hey, there's no heat. Drangi understands that, that he he appears to like North America and likes living out there. He's not causing any trouble. And, you know, if you're Drangi, I, I don't think you're dying to have La Estrella back. So this is the situation that we're in. So, again, yeah, well, I, would, I, I would expect him back in Japan in the spring, kind of like he did last year. I don't know that for sure. But he is uh, splitting time between Mexico and Texas pretty much for the next year. Yeah. Uh, the the fact that Estrella did not come up when we were talking about, oh, Bravegate kind of people and that not being done out of malice, that just being kind of where things are right now. It's just where he is. It's he, for all intents and purposes, I kind of look him at look at him right now as a Kenichiro Rai like figure in the. Yeah, I, I think that's a good way of putting it. And I it wouldn't shock me if he gets a Bravegate challenge in Hokkaido again, just like he did last year. But I, you know. I don't factor him into to anything legitimate going on in Dragon Gate anymore. Right. Yeah, it's just not worth it whatsoever. But that's what we had announced. So it'll be interesting to see what all shakes out for the Dragon Gate guys at WrestleMania this week or this year. But case before we close out this week, Ray Day Parejas was announced uh, at the Corkwin Hall show at intermission. It's a 12-team tournament. I'll run through the blocks. We both kind of picked three off the beaten path matches. We're not doing a full preview this week. Uh, group A is Team Muscle, Kona Minora, Benke, Big Boss, Shimizu, and Strong Machine, J as a natural vibe team in block. Block A, DK and Naruki Doi, Aganiso, Shuchi Kondo, and Toru Uwashi, Kai and Johnny Valletta, and then Mozuku, Tomonaga, and Sherry Joe, the current Sorio Tag Team Champions of Ryuku Dragon Pro Wrestling. Block B, Big Hug, Kakuda and Daya, KZ and UT, Kung Fu Masters, Yamato and Susumu Mochizuki, and Shun Skywalker and Yoshiki Kato. No really glaring misses here, I feel like, block-wise. No, I, I, I would agree with that. I find it very odd that Kai is in the tournament and Ishin isn't because Kai is very clearly not at a hundred percent. And it's not like Kai and Valletta are this established tag team that need to be there. That's the, that's the only thing. It's not a team snub. It's just why, why are they not doing Ishin here? Just give Kai, you know, a month off basically. Right. It, it, it's something where you kind of like already, you, you knew that was going to be a gimmick tag team and, and that's going to be happening throughout the block. Like you just assume, Okay, everyone just, you're going to have to have a Kai and Valletta match. But now it's also, you're going to have to get through a Kai and Valletta match. But, Case, we both uh, decided that we're going to pick three uh, matches that we're looking into, and we're not going to pick anything that's going to make the network, right? Yeah, and, and real quick, you know, this tour is going to kick off on March 6th in Corkin, and I, I do want to highlight the four Corkin matches real quick. It's Minora and Ben versus Dragon Kid and Doi. It's Kondo and Awashi versus Kai and Valletta, which if you're going to do that match, you should do it in Cork. And it's Yamato and Susumu versus Kakuta and Daya. And then it's Big Hug versus Jason and Jackie. 
I think if you're laying out that tournament, those are the four perfect oh, yeah. matches to have in Cork, and well done by Dragon Gate. Yeah, because you have your big stars kind of match and uh big hug and uh kung fu masters bringing that back there uh susumu yamato is such a curiosity of awesome. a team so into it yeah that having them against the uh, pure babyface team and kind of getting them solidified and what they're kind of kind of be the absolute gimmicked out original heels versus crowd brawl yep you want to have that in cork win and then again you have a team muscle versus uh in a weird way kind of what would be the speed muscle nowadays yeah if you think yeah, about yeah, it. yeah so you have a lot happening in that cork and show but if you just look into what's going to be the youtube uploads case i'm just going to throw one of my matches out at you one that i think is going to just be really a fun thing to see in hiroshima on the 17th b block kz and ut versus yamato and susumu emotions yeah sounds awesome i mean you know i i guess all right, let me let me go big picture on the block here real quick. Mm -hmm. The the A block has a very low floor. There's going to be some A block stuff that doesn't land. I also don't think it's a bad block. I still think there's a lot of worthwhile stuff there. And unless Kai's arm falls off, I at the very least have extreme morbid curiosity in seeing all of his matches with Valletta. I I'm into I'm into Valletta. I'm sorry. I like the guy. I think his presence is really unique here. I until he burns me uh, in a in a multi man match, I'm going to be into Valletta. So a block is you know not as high of a ceiling in a lower floor, but I still think there's quality there. B block is nothing but bangers. Every team in the B block rocks. I'm so glad for the sake of their legacy. Jason and Jackie are in that block. I have no notes. Couldn't have built it better myself. Yeah, and it's something where. You look at B block and there's really not a favorite. It, it, it's so hard to kind of choose from this. Whereas the A block, like you don't expect any you, you, three of these teams. You kind of already go like, okay, we don't really see them going. We, we don't see any of these three teams winning and we don't really see those three advancing, but it's still, it, it, it's something where the twin gate division is kind of going through such a deep reset right now that you need to have uh, the natural vibes teams ending up being like two longtime tag teams and KZ and UT and then Jay-Z and then Jason and Jackie. You had to do that. You really had to go with that. Uh, I mean, think, think about this. There's only one repeat team from last year's Ray Day Parejas and it's Jason and Jackie. Right. Yeah. That's so, crazy. I mean, it, it's a whole new world for the Twin Gate division. Yeah, and that's it's it's one repeat tag team, which is the best tag team in the roster. And also because Yoshioka's hurt, Ryoya Tanaka is not in the tournament, and he is, you know, I, I feel one of the hotter wrestlers in the company. That's what they should have done. You know, they, I would have liked, even though he's in a unit, Tanaka and Daiki would have been way more interesting than than the Tamanaga team or some some young guy team I, you know that that's really to me that's the that's the uh the unneeded addition here is the the shuri joe punch tamanaga team and no disrespect to joe it's more of a oh, tamanaga is, uh, issue. oh is mozuku tamanaga punch yeah 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 oh it's just a, it, he just has a mask gimmick there I yeah guess. yeah no he's it's uh, um jason on commentary i forget what show it was just totally did the uh, the Voices of Wrestling shoot trash unmasked him? And even Jay was like, well, you know, we don't know if it's if it's Punch. And Jason goes, 
no, it's Punch. He's in a mask. Like, I, think, I think it was Final Gate that he did that. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm all right with that then. Uh, Unless, yeah, wait, no. let, me, let me double check. But Punch has been doing a mask gimmick in Ryuku Dragon. I'm, I'm almost positive that's what that is. Maybe let me, let me double check here, but I'm pretty sure I'm right on this. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, it's, yeah, it's it, Punch. Yeah. Oh, gosh. That did. How great is it that he's been doing this gimmick? I, I need to see when this gimmick started. To, and, and I just have not kept track of I it. I think it was like September. Um, I mean, he's been doing it for a minute now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, his first match as Mocha, um, Mozuku Tomonaga was in July. Yeah. 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 Oh, no. It, yeah. Yeah. It was in July. It was after a uh, KJAX match that he had. Shout out KJAX. I believe he was just in the lovely city of Chicago. Oh no, that was um that was the other English speaker that's there. Never mind. Dingo. Um yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh that's the that's the only thing I would have liked to have seen uh Tanaka and Daiki together or Daiki and somebody, you know, Daiki and Don Fuji, I think would have been interesting, or Tanaka and and you know, another unaffiliated guy. Even like Tanaka and Genki or Tanaka and Yoshido, I think would have been interesting, but Instead, we get the Ryuku Dragon Team, which is fine. Yeah, yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. Like at the very least, like it it it, it will happen. You know, like like we'll get through it. But Daiki, a new team rookie, would have been fun. Yeah. Uh, what were your what are your sleeper matches for this tournament? You want me to give you all three right now? Yep. All right. On March 10th in Nagoya, I put this one in the Voices of Wrestling Discord because I think it's just super, super interesting. KZ and UT versus Shun Skywalker and Yoshiki Kato. That's in UT's home building. So I'm really excited to see what that looks like. March 16th in Akaiwa, which is not of a, a market that I recognize. Maybe they run there often and I just didn't realize oh, it. Oh, it's, it's Okayama. It's uh, Sachi sometimes. Gotcha. Okay. That, that makes or more Sachi's sense. Or Sachi's home prefecture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um yamato and susumu versus jason and jackie again b block there's just there's a lot of different things you can do there but then final one uh march 18th into tori this is an a block match dragon kid and naruki doi versus kai and gianni valletta i want to see it i want to see what that looks like actually one person in this company i feel like is the one person i feel like can do a singles against johnny valletta and he's in this match naruki doi Naruki Doi. I mean, yeah, that, that's right. It's right up Doi's alley oh, for yeah. us to all watch that, and then I'll go. Oh, that's right. He's one of the smartest wrestlers on earth. He still, he still has just a brilliant mind for this business. So yeah. I, it, it, it has real, uh, uh, sneaky good Doi hour energy to it. I, I mean, maybe the hidden power of AEW right now, Naruki Doi. <laughs> that's right. So uh, my three matches, I said one of them uh, up top, uh, this Hiroshima show, I am really into KZ and UT versus Yamato and Susumu. Susumu teaming with Yamato, I think, is the most intriguing tag team in the tournament for me, at the very least, just because of even though the fact that Yamato was in Final M2K, they never really did anything together. So, no, it, it was uh, it Final M2K and then Junction 3. And I feel like they had maybe one high profile junction three tag and that's it. But this is, you know, for two guys that have been there for forever, this is, this is uncharted territory in a pretty exciting way. Right. So I, I I'm looking forward to that one. I think that there's going to be some uh, good fun with that one and Nagano 
and Block B, Kung Fu Masters versus Kakuda and Daya. Nagano is not too far from Daya's hometown. So it's not immediate there, but it's kind of like one of those things. And then for me, I, I you're intrigued by Kai and Johnny Valletta. Yes. I am intrigued as the purveyor of Dragon Gate heavyweight wrestling case. We have such a big heavyweight match in Act City, Hamamatsu, Shizuoka, A Block, Big Boss, Shimizu, Strong Machine J versus Kai and Johnny Valletta. I, this... knew, you, I, I knew you were going to be into that. <laughs> I, I, I'm a sick man, and I'm a sick man who I really feel like that they need to get like real Showa hours on this one. <laughs> like, it, it, it's something where if. Uh, Shimizu is not launching his pocket ashtray across the arena at uh, Kai. What are we doing here? <laughs> like, I, well, well said. <laughs> it, 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 that, that is the uh, sleaze match of the tournament, and I can't wait for it. Man, maybe I was looking through the cage match here. Maybe Yamato and Susumu didn't have a big junction three tag together. They, nope, they, they really didn't. I thought they had, for some reason, I'm picturing one high profile match that they had together but i don't that's it's not not in here i'm making it up i guess they the they old. the one house show match the sumo and yamato versus rio uh, rio saito and tomahawk tt it just it, it is something where like the the whole aspect about blood warriors injunction three and the fact that they were able to get through that without burning some first time tag teams is really cool because it's really you think about like oh they're in the same unit together but wait, they were only really teaming together in the big five on five, six on six, seven on seven tags. I think about that in the context of the promotion with singles matches like, you know, Genki and Don Fuji have been in the same company now for 25 years. I, I'm i going to look now. I would guarantee they have under 10 singles matches, which just doesn't. Like, that doesn't feel like it's possible. I don't know of a promotion that has... I don't know if discipline is the right word, but just the fact that they can do that, they they just don't burn things off like that. You know what I mean? No, no. It, it's something where things have value, and it's not worth losing that value at any time for just they a have, random match. Um, Horiguchi and Fuji have 19 total singles matches. Oh, no, they don't. They have some of these are on Genki Horiguchi homecoming shows. The cage match search is confusing sometimes. They have 17 singles matches with the last one. Uh, the last one was Genki versus Karaoke Machine on Prime Zone 21 in 2014. And then there is a Hokkaido show in 2014 where Genki beat Don Fuji in a singles match. So it's been 10 years since they've done that. God bless it. Oh, man, this you know what's funny Genki versus Don Fuji, the last time they did this, this was one of my holy grail shows because okay. this is, I remember this vividly. This is uh, Sapporo Tension Hall. It is right after Hulk turned face, and it's a show that it's a dragon. They weren't taping tension at that time? They, they were, but it's a dragon infinity that never showed up on daily motion because real hero may god rest his soul real hero was doing all the uploads on daily motion at the right. time and the the top uh three matches it's aten t hawk versus kz and yamato it's okay. to tozawa yoshino and shingo versus dragon kid mochizuki and shisa which i am mm -hmm. 
really into the idea of that match. Yeah, because she because because proto Dia Hearts, Shisa was teaming with those guys. Yes, yeah, they, they were still team veteran at that point. Right. Yeah. Um, and then the main event was Doi and Hulk in a lumberjack match, and it it was filmed. It was an infinity taping. There's listings of it out there. I've never seen this show. It's never made its way onto the internet, at least that I've seen. DM me the episode number. Okay, I think it's 341. Let me see if I can find that real quick. This is so... I did not know yeah, this was yeah, on that this show. Is, this is so exciting. I, um, yeah. I want... Because I remember Tyson Hall, and I remember this time period. We are Team Pantaloons like yeah yeah it's like it's right around that time period yeah yeah uh i i might need to scrounge i might have this somewhere guys i might I, look i as far as i know it never it never made the uh the internet the way that it should so the the show date is i just lost it son of a bitch give me one second we're gonna do this live on the air because we're almost done here <laughs> and i'm excited but i closed the wrong tab and now i gotta i gotta get back to it just give me one second everybody i'm excited for something that means nothing to anybody else but me but it matters to me because i've never seen it so genki horiguchi versus don fuji on june 8th and that show it was dragon gate infinity 341 and it aired on June 21st, 2014. Gate but, of Maximum Day 8? Yes. Yep, uh, Gate of Maximum Day 4. I'm sending you the cage match and the TV listing from a different website. Okay. I think I have it. Yeah, so... I, 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 I'll get it to you. I've I've never... This was the show that, like... It was kind of the last one that I can remember... Because, I mean, you know, you you were around for this even more so than I was, but, like, 2012 and 2013, sometimes they were just, an Infinity would air and nobody would upload it, and you just wouldn't see it. And this is the last one that I can remember, really, in all of Japanese wrestling, because World launches, New Japan World launches December of 2014, and this kind of started a pretty intense, like, daily motion and Google drives and et cetera, like match sharing was in at this time. This is the last one that I can remember. Like we all knew it was film, but I, I never saw it. Right. I, I thought you said 2013 and I was looking at my 2013 files. My 2014 aren't as good, but also, I know, I know that's the thing that it's like a weird, like 2014 largely was not a good capture year. Well, it, it in real time, it was okay. But the archives for 2014 with, I mean, you know, you you and I know some people that keep some pretty detailed Dragon Gate archives, and there's just not a lot of 2014 I, out there. I mean, I'm someone who keeps a very detailed arc, personal use archive, but yeah. yeah nobody nobody get any ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Personal, personal use. <laughs> but, uh, actually, that, was, that, was, that was impulsive Mike Spears coming out. You couldn't control that. <laughs> <laughs> personal use. <laughs> Private. Uh, oh, that's awesome but before we get out of here do we want to talk about our plans for rewind and rewatch for the rest of the year um i i, I will say this well i you know i really first of all appreciate all the feedback on the tori episode uh it's very it's very nice to know that people are into that sort of stuff and that they want more of it so uh for Gate 25 for the rest of the year we're doing at least one rewind and rewatch every single month they won't all be as in-depth as the launch of a, of a promotion, but we're going to do uh, some very fun stuff. We have a rough outline of what we want to do. 
Obviously, we'll talk Torimon X at some points. We'll talk T2P at some points. And then just various Drangate and Torimon things throughout their 25 years that we think deserve a deeper dive. Yeah, uh, we've paid attention for the, the when people have brought up like, hey, what we, we, I don't, what is this that's happened? What is the, I would love to know a full history of, I'm not going to pull one on here. Let's say a full history to Zawajuku. That's not one of the things on the list, but like we've we, we paid attention and it's stuff that we both really like doing are some of our favorite shows. And I feel like some of the, some of our favorite times in doing the rewinery watch are the timeline aspects of it. And we've, and we're, we have a good, uh, a good breadth. I feel like of dragon system history that we will be doing. Uh, I do think that we can, should we say February at the very least, or actually? I, we'll hold you, on to it. I don't want to we'll give hold on that. to this. We'll hold on to this. We we have some fun stuff planned that you all will see over the uh, remainder of the year from the podcast side, and if not, also from Voices of Wrestling, and maybe maybe an actual video that we're talking about. Still, there you go. But I think that's going to do it for this week on the showcase. Uh, we hit on a whole lot. This went a lot longer than I <laughs> thought this week would be. Uh, anything else you wanted to touch on? I, I, I do not believe so. All right. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Open VoiceGate. I'm at, uh, I'm at Fujiheya. Cases at underscore in your case. Thanks for listening to Open VoiceGate. We'll be back with you next week. Take care, everyone. Hello, Voices of Wrestling listener. Dave Ryan here. Have you ever wondered to yourself, how many hidden gems are hidden away inside the last years of World Championship Wrestling? Have you ever asked yourself how many tenuous gags can be made about the name Mike Enos? And have you ever thought about what it sounds like for two Irishmen to interpret a very chaotic company through its B-show? The answers to all this and more are just a click away. Check out Days of Thunder every second Thursday on the Voices of Wrestling podcast network.